Hello, everyone, and welcome to What Is This Music, a podcast about the mysteries of musical taste, why we love the music we love and hate what we hate. My name is Malcolm Fraser, and this is a very, very special episode of the show. Uh, Many years ago, when I was living in Toronto, Craig Dunsmuir, noted Toronto musician and musical curator, uh, we were at a show together, and he leaned over and said, Hey, have you heard of Nick Fraser? And I regret to this day that I didn't uh, find some comedic way to string him along for a bit, but um, I didn't. I said, yes, Nick is my brother. It is widely misperceived that he is my older brother, possibly because he has two adult children, maybe because he had a peach fuzz mustache at the age of 12, or maybe because he's just generally more mature than me. But uh, for the record, Nick is my younger brother. I am the eldest. But more to the point, he's a very respected musician in the jazz community in Toronto and beyond. Uh, He's really one of the best musicians there is, and I'm not just saying that because he's my brother. Anyone who's seen him play will tell you. He devotes a lot of his energies to the world of free jazz, which is not my favorite type of music uh, by any means. Uh, I've seen a lot of incredibly beautiful uh, shows of Nick's. I've also seen a lot of shows that just sound like uh, four men soloing at the same time. Um, anyway, uh, we've had many, many discussions uh, over the years, and uh, we're going to have another one right now for your ears. So check it out and stick around afterwards because I have a major What Is This Music announcement to make on the other side. We'll see you then. Well, Nick, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks. I'm, um, I was going to say I'm a dedicated listener, but I'm, I'm not as dedicated as I could be. How many episodes do you have now? Um, I believe this is episode 28. Whoa. Uh, yeah, I probably listened to about, I don't know, 10 of them or so. Well, you know, Nick, um, let me give you a little piece of a life advice. Um, <laughs> You could just say you're a dedicated listener, and I would be none the wiser. <laughs> uh, true. <laughs> Unless, you know, I hit you up with a follow-up question, like, oh, yeah, what did you think about that moment in episode nine where blah, blah, blah? Yeah, it's, exactly, exactly. Then I would have, then my my lack of dedication would be, would be exposed. <laughs> <laughs> Most humiliatingly, I think, <laughs> it's fair to say. Uh well, I tell you what, um, ever since I started this podcast, you said, hey, can I be on your podcast? Uh, so, you know, it's been... Yeah, really I, can't, I, can't, I, I can't quite believe it took you 28 episodes to get to me, but, you know. Well... I'll, I, will say, I will say that I noticed on the episodes I have listened to, sometimes I get mentioned, which is nice, you know. Yeah, do you, like, get an AI to do a search to see which ones mention <laughs> you and then listen to those? That's the, that's exactly it. <laughs> Actually, I just I just um, peruse the descriptions, and it's, if they mention free jazz, then I figure I might I figure that I might uh, be mentioned. So, well, <laughs> at least you have a like a healthy self confidence to be assured that like whenever free jazz is mentioned, your name will will soon follow. Whenever free um, jazz is mentioned by you. <laughs> <laughs> that that's probably true that's probably true uh well we'll get into that but um what uh what i mean why are you, uh were and or are you so excited to, to be on the show uh well 
I like talking about music and, um, and I like the show and, uh, or at least the, the few episodes you've it, listened to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and, uh, I thought, wouldn't it be fun to talk with Mal about music? Um, yeah. Well, you know, there is, and also, is... I, I mean, I also have some, like sometimes when I would listen to, to some of the episodes, I'd think, I'd, I'd think of things to say, so not, not like dis, not disputing some of the things that people said, but, but maybe, maybe feeling like there are many avenues for exploration in your, in your discussions. Uh huh. Yeah. Um, so you want to, uh, do you want to take this opportunity to uh, call back any of the previous? Guests? No, I, I, I mean, it's not even specific things. Um, I mean, one, I guess one theme is the idea of genre. I, mm -hmm. I feel like um, uh, many of the, like, part of what is this music, the, the. The part of the concept. theme, like yeah, part of the concept is trying to sort out what genre is, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I think so. I think that's, you know, that's in the mix there. Yeah. And, and I always think that, um, I mean, I used to say that I, I didn't pay any attention to genre, which is, was clearly not true, but lately just as a, uh, as a musician, I've been thinking more, less in terms of genre and more in terms of performance practice. Okay. How do you mean? So, well, like if you said classical music is a genre, um, you know, there, there is, you know, 800 years of, of history of that music and development. And I mean, and you're, you're sort of learning that tradition and that that way of performing things, but but I'm not sure that you can say that, um, you know, Bartok and uh, Bach are the same genre of music. Does that make sense? Well, sure. I mean, it does make sense, and I think that uh, you know my classical musician friends like really pushed back against that definition for a long time. They would say, oh, you know, classical refers to this and that period and, you know, the other periods are different genre and blah, blah, blah. But then I felt like at a certain point, that battle was kind of given up. And now people are like just willing to, to use the umbrella term classical to describe, uh, you know, a whole whatever is played with those instruments or, as you say, performance practice. Yeah, yeah. And... um you know, I mean, I teach in the jazz department at, um, at U of T and, um, sometimes I think it's interesting that, that jazz has become the sort of poor second cousin of, of classical music in terms of music education mm -hmm. and people who want to learn, um, you know how to play music at a at a higher level often if they're not classically trained they go into studying jazz and and i think jazz is also complicated in terms of how it gets defined as a genre i mean um i recently read this book uh by 
I looked it up. Uh, Fabian Holt is his okay. name, and it's called Genre in Popular Music. And it's a pretty fascinating book. And he talks about um, how in the early days of jazz, like until 19, late 40s, early 50s, jazz wasn't really recognized as one single genre. You'd have jazz or, or like traditional jazz, you know, New Orleans jazz. You'd have swing, which was sort of a different genre, big band jazz. You'd have, and then you had bebop. And those were sort of three um, uh, different genres of music. And then it sort of took critics to look at the through line and say, wait, okay, and may, maybe this this um, music that is African-American in origin, you know, maybe we can all put all that in the, under the umbrella of jazz, you know? Mm. Yeah, that is interesting. Maybe one of the reasons why I'm interested in, in genre is just like because of the way that how we classify music seems to be related to how we enjoy it or something. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's like completely off the top of my head, but I think that... No, but that's right. That's right. There's so, there's so much about genre that is extra musical. And, yeah, yeah. You know, we've often, you and I have often talked about how I sort of uh, overvalue music in my life um, <laughs> I don't remember saying that well you used to call me a musical narcissist that you know that that uh, I frame everything in uh, in terms of uh, music hmm. in my life okay which well I don't have any memory of saying that or thinking yeah. that and I would add that like today if I if indeed I did say that I would uh, <laughs> I would not refute it today, but I would I wouldn't be bothered by that today. Yeah. I don't think. Yeah, well I, I don't think I was bothered by it when you said it. So you know, I think it's it it's just true. But but uh as I said, so all of genre there's so many aspects of it that are extra musical. And I try to think more of what the musical um practices are that 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 make the genre possible in music i mean i don't think it takes different skills to be a or i don't think it takes vastly different skills to be um like a rock drummer versus an indie rock drummer say sure but it might take a different wardrobe it might take a different uh um you know just outlook on the world if that makes yeah. sense and you might have to be have been born like 20 years after, after one of them those people might have have had been born 20 years apart from the other if that makes sense maybe but i think it's also a cultural thing uh more than an age thing i mean mm, mm -hmm, when mm -hmm. i put out my book on wooden stars i had old friends who were the same age as me being like oh indie rock like i've heard of that i'd like to check it out Right. You know, it's, um, yeah. Well. Okay. I mean. So where where are you going with this? Like, I, I know that the I, I know that at some level the 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 genres are not relate are not strictly musical in uh, in what they mean, but uh, who cares? I guess is like what what is the what 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 are you getting at with that? Well, 
I guess I feel like that's it's so much of of the uh, the discourse on music has to do with with um, with genre and when people market music they try to um, uh, you know either define themselves as part of a genre or try to define themselves in relationship sort of apart from an existing genre by creating uh -huh. a new subgenre or or and, and uh, that seems to me to just be really a fragmentary, um, like it, it results in, in deep fragmentation. A fragmentation of what? Of, of music and of how people look at music. I get what you're saying. I think that there's truth to that. But again, like, I don't think most people, especially today, uh, you know, only listen to one genre of music. No. Right? No, I think that's probably true. Um, and, and the genre, the genre categories also, are, in a way, dying. In some ways, yeah, yeah. I think you that's know, true. because because people don't, people think, oh, I want this certain mood or vibe, and then and then, an algorithm will will create that playlist for them or whatever, you know. Uh huh. Yeah, I think that's true. I mean, okay, well, I've, like, I've been quite frustrated by, uh, you know, the existence or the perception of genres, especially because, you know, I've made music that, like, falls between the cracks of genres, and so mm -hmm. when people don't know how to classify something, they don't really know what to do with it, and then it, you know, mm -hmm. doesn't reach as big an audience or something like that. Um, I have a question for you, though. Yeah. Sorry to cut you off, but... but do you think that any artist, like my sense is that most artists feel that they're uh, in the cracks? Well, they don't, I, I could be wrong. I really don't know. You'd have to yeah. ask all other artists. <laughs> Just most of them. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, okay, let's, let's say, for example, you, like you could broadly say that like you play jazz yes right? yeah you i mean you 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 play a lot of different corners of that world but you know you have a a, a pretty easy one word answer to like what yes. kind of music do you play it's right? true it's true um but uh, at any rate um i feel like i've sort of gone off in many different directions without pursuing the through line of any of them, but, uh, <laughs> but that, that happens. That happens in this space sometimes. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just feel like, you know, I, I don't know if this is what you are trying to say. I feel like we've had discussions in the past where, like, you were frustrated by this, you know, these divisions between music that you saw as, like, not meaningful because they are not strictly musical. And mm -hmm. I think that that's a, f a fair enough argument, but also I kind of just like, I'm more interested in like evaluating what exists rather than like upholding it to a standard of what it should be. Um, mm. Or as Snoop Dogg said in his autobiography, I tell it like it is, not like it should be. <laughs> um, but um, if genre is something other than 
musical, I'm trying to explore them. Okay, well then, what is it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, you know, I'm working on it. I'll get back to you. I haven't figured it out yet. Well, um, you could say that I'm trying to answer the question: What is this music? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, I you said you told me that there was a question that you asked. Uh, you asked everybody. Uh-huh, yeah. Uh, that is, is there a genre of music that you can't stand? Yes. And why? And why? Uh-huh. And, I mean, there are genres of music that I, I confess that I don't pay much attention to. Mm-hmm. But I don't think there's any that I, that, I don't think there's one that I don't like. Um, oh, no? I don't think so, because I think that, that all... Like all areas of artwork have mm-hmm. have like high high achievements. Sure. And and for me as as someone who appreciates music, I wanna pay attention to those achievements more than I want to pay attention. I mean obviously I've learned how to to uh access and deal with different genres of music. Mm-hmm. as a as a musician but i i feel like i want to pay attention to the sort of the upper echelon of music not the not the totality of say um you know mainstream jazz or punk rock does that make sense uh yes it does and in in some ways i feel the same way about you know about all uh, art forms like if so, if someone says to me oh you know uh check out this tv show you know it's it's pretty good it's all right i'm like nope like you gotta tell me it's amazing one of the best yeah. things you've ever seen that i must drop everything and check it out then i'll then i will do that like then yeah, you've okay. got my attention well yeah exactly yeah but also okay check it out if you were asked what is a representative jazz album mm-hmm. like many people would say for example uh Kind of Blue by Miles Davis or A Love Supreme by John Coltrane. Uh huh. So, so, but though both those records and many of the other records that, that you could name as representative of jazz, they're actually, because they're so uh, excellent and revolutionary, they're not representative. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, like, of course. Like if you look at if you look at um A Love Supreme, it has almost none of the I mean it has it has uh let's see. It ha it's a long form composition. It has uh repetitive chanting, it has um uh you know, a poetry uh element where the melody of the last movement is is uh John Coltrane sort of reading a poem through his horn, like a like a melody to a poem that's on the back of the record, and uh, it's got uh, overdubbed timpani and uh, and it's got all these things that are not characteristic of jazz, but because it's some one of the highest achievements, that that's what we, you know we we it gets named as representative, and. There must be a word for that, where where something is representative, but also a complete departure from from what it is, hmm. what it purport, purports to be representative of. Huh. 
Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, there's something really interesting there. Um, maybe I, I would say ask a German you know, if, there's a, <laughs> yeah. if there's a word for that. Um, okay, well, I mean, that's, yeah. I think that, uh, you know, people would select those records as representative because they're the best. Um, but maybe they are the best because they transcend the genre, although just transcending doesn't necessarily make something good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Okay, well, let's go back a little bit because I, want, I, I was a little surprised earlier when you said there aren't any genres that you don't like, and I don't want me to put you on the spot or use your past words against you, even though you did the same thing with my allegedly <laughs> calling you a musical narcissist. Uh, but I remember few years ago maybe 10 years ago or something i don't know um we got into a pretty big argument about uh house music um and your argument as i recall was succinctly summarized by the words and i quote house music sucks (laughs) um now and i was like maybe i was it was more for the sake of argument because i'm not a, a big a big listener to house music but um i had just had this sort of experience at the time when i was working with a guy uh, who had a background in that kind of music. And mm-hmm. I had this re- uh, realization, which I think I've talked about on the show before, where I, I just, I would say to him things like, oh, you know, it's uh, there's a change of key or just like some kind of really basic musical uh, mm-hmm. term. And he had no idea what I was talking about. And I sort of was like, okay, this music that he's doing, it really has more to do with like sound than Mm -hmm. you know any traditional notion of like what quote-unquote music is so it's in in a way it's really not the same thing Um, Hmm. it uses rhythm obviously it uses melody occasionally and other you know musical things but like um anyway so i i was like pretty irritated when you were like giving this blanket dismissal (laughs) and i started putting together a because because through this guy I had found out about how like house music originated from disco and like all these kind of interesting things about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I started making a, a a mix CD for you, which was going to show you, you know, that house like, music can can be okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, or even or even rule or kick ass. <laughs> But I uh-huh. think I only got a couple of tracks in, and I was like, I kind of gave up. I, I, I either <laughs> I I knew I couldn't convince you, or I myself was not sufficiently uh, convinced by my own argument. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, uh, I do remember that, uh, and I'm I'm sure I've said that about about other genres, not just house music. But you know, I, I was uh, so much younger then. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you were like just a like a child of thirty-five. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, yeah, but you know, having said that, and sort of t- uh, tying back to what you said before, like I'm not a huge ha- house music fan, and I had this other experience once where like this guy was trying to, you know, he was l- singing the praises of house music, and he said, uh, you know, there's it's so great because there's there's no limits. Like the only limit is that like four on the floor beat and like you can do anything else. And I was like, it's pretty big limit. (laughs) Four on the floor beat at one tempo. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, um, but uh, you know, having said all that, you know, there's a, there's a radio show that I, that I uh, listen to every Sunday that's DJed by a couple of friends of mine and they play like a lot of house music. And, you know, it's maybe something that I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't 
listen to if I didn't like it's all it's it comes on after a show that I listen to every week so I'm always like passively listening to it and mm -hmm. and I always enjoy it and I think well you know it kind of ties into what you were saying but like these guys really know what they're talking about and they play mm -hmm. like they're not just playing any old thing they're playing like the best tracks so maybe that's what you need just like you know. yeah I'm, I'm I'm willing to be convinced but also like you can't do it all you know what I mean? Of course, like of I, course. I'm I'm willing to say, yeah, there's probably some amazing house music and some amazing techno and some amazing um, other music. Um, but some, but I feel like I'm not going to I'm not going to invest a lot of time into into finding that out. That's just me. But but I might invest yeah. a little bit. I might invest a little bit. Yeah. Well, again, it's like where do you start? You know. Yeah. Like, but um, but these days there are of course many curators and gatekeepers and uh, you know people who can steer you down the right path of any particular genre. But let's yeah. uh, let's talk a little bit about your musical world because you know you play one of the most you know reviled and misunderstood genres there is, uh, free jazz. <laughs> uh, and, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I mean I've I've talked about that a few times on the show as your ai has uh, has mm -hmm. noted um but uh, i'm just curious like i might know i might i might have some inkling of the 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 history but how how did you get to that place in your in your musical taste journey and your musical okay. practice yeah uh well i think for me it's uh, when I started seriously listening to music, there were three things that sort of uh, attracted me. Um, one was uh, psychedelic mm -hmm. music, like Pink Floyd and Jimi Hendrix in particular. Uh, yeah. Another was, um, I guess you'd call call it Prague, you know, particularly Rush. I never yes. really got into any other Prague uh, groups. Yeah, it's funny. It's the same with me. I never got into Yes or like uh, Genesis. Genesis. I mean, like in in tiny, tiny little yeah. doses. Nothing like the full on you know devotion se several years long binge uh, yeah. that was our shared uh, rush fandom <laughs> yeah and uh the other one was punk you know i mean through our band and through uh the ramones and the dickies and and um and i guess uh once i started well this is probably uh similar time to me starting to play the drums so a, a lot of that tied into um trying to appreciate drummers trying okay. to appreciate uh, like john bonham or mm -hmm. or uh you know clyde stubblefield or or um and so but i and and when i i feel like i was attracted to free jazz uh because it satisfied sort of all three of those uh, paths, if that makes mm. sense. Like the psychedelic, yeah, yeah. 
Uh, it's got this ecstatic, psychedelic kind of uh, feeling. It's often extended. It's got um, it's it's got the prog element in that in that sometimes there are things that happen that are hard to figure out or they're kind of disorienting or mm-hmm. or uh, complex. And it's got a sort of intellectual um, balance between the yeah. It's, there are some intellectual elements sometimes, uh, and it can be just really full-on energetic like punk yeah and i feel like i i wanted to love free jazz before i even heard it if that makes sense like i well i would read about jazz because i was um interested in different drummers and i was reading modern drummer magazine and i'd be into these sort of like fusion-y um drummers like Mahavishnu Orchestra, Billy Cobham and stuff like that. And then I would read an interview with Billy Cobham and he would say like, oh, I love Tony Williams and Max Roach. Like, oh man, I got to check out Tony Williams and Max Roach and so on. Right? So, Mm -hmm. um, uh, where was I going with that? Uh, well, you were saying that you 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 like the idea of free jazz. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so when I, so I would read about that. And then I eventually read about Ornette Coleman and this record called Free Jazz, which um, uh, was from 1960 or 61. And it's two drummers, two bass players, and four horn players, like two trumpet players and and Mm -hmm. two um, reeds players. And I thought, oh man, this is going to be amazing. It's going to be like total chaos and total... You know, just like it's going to satisfy all everything I <laughs> I want <laughs> in music. Yeah. And then when I heard it, there was a level at which I was disappointed because I thought, well, this just sounds like jazz. Yeah. If, if that makes sense, like I, I and but then later on, of course, I heard some other things that that and I, I mean, I I love Ornette Coleman. That's not my favorite Ornette Coleman record, but um, uh, you know, I thought. I, I wanted to hear chaos and I wanted to hear um, something that was really audacious. Yeah. I love that idea of like, you know, falling in love with the idea of something through reading it. And that certainly happened to me a lot of times. And of mm. course, you know, it nothing is more crushing than when something doesn't live up to your... Uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> to your expectation or the, the the idea of it that you've built up um yeah. i guess you know this is a really kind of typical old man thing to say but like the kids these days they don't understand <laughs> that because like they could hear something and just push a button and listen to it which is so amazing but yeah you know of course anyone our age remembers like reading about a record ordering it through the mail waiting for weeks like paying yeah. a shit ton of money for it and then being yeah. so excited when it arrives and yeah anyway mm-hmm. it is what it is uh it yeah. was what it was uh, but but i i i mean i get that into the that conversation with students because i feel like uh, um a lot of people are kind of drilling into the students what or drilling into young people sort of what they're missing uh-huh. by the fact that they can um, just access any kind of music all the time and that they you know saying you know the sort of the whole rap of like back in my day you know I only could buy one album a month so I listen to that album every day for that whole month and yeah. all that stuff like you know stuff like that 
and and it's true that that kind of in-depth listening is important uh but but i i think that we're we're not giving you know like people can only live when they live and oh, yeah that's it we're, and we're we're you know uh there's a level at which we are not allowing uh the I mean, it doesn't matter whether we allow it or not, but the, the, we as a generation are not thinking what good is coming out of this kind of um, total access. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that one of the things that's good about it is what you said before it was about the breakdown of, of genre and people mm -hmm. not being so hung up on that uh, mm -hmm. uh, any, uh, in the same way, I, th I think. I mean... I I hope and so. also like you know I, I when I was working with some some young people in a in a cafe like you know sometimes I'd come in and they'd be listening to like you know Roy Orbison or something mm -hmm. and just be like what how did like why and how are they listening to this music from like before their parents were even born but it's yeah. kind of amazing at the same time too like mm -hmm. you know it took mm -hmm. me I guess maybe it was around the same age that I started getting into really, really old music. And I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, but, but I, I, you know, I had a, um, a friend of mine, Bill Smith. Uh, he's, uh, he's self-described, uh, Toronto's biggest jazz fan. Okay. Um, and he, he and I were talking about, about records that we loved when we were sort of 18, 19. Uh-huh. And, and he's like 70 something years old mm -hmm. and they were the same records <laughs> he was like oh man bitches brew oh man this pharaoh sanders record oh man this and i was like well those are the records i listen to it's just so funny or this yeah. Ze zeppelin record or you know like uh -huh. and and uh and i just thought it was really funny and uh and i mentioned it to someone uh, someone else th that i thought that was funny and he said it's not funny i mean it's it it's great music so it doesn't really matter the fact that it was new when when he listened to it and it was 40 years old when you listened to it. Yeah. That doesn't it's it's great music. I mean you wouldn't say, "Oh, isn't it funny that like I listened to Bach in my 20s and you also listened to Bach." It's yeah. like if you're interested in music, you might end up listening to Bach and you might end up listening to Bitches Brew and Pharaoh Sanders, you know. For sure. Um, coming back to teenage uh, tastes, I um, I mean, I loved how you described um, your your attraction to free jazz through those you know three uh, paradigms of like psychedelic, prog, and punk. In fact, it reminds me of uh, of uh, Robert Pollard from Guided by Voices, who said, "You got to have the four P's: uh, the prog, the psych, the punk, and the pop." Huh. Um, but See, I, um, I didn't I didn't mention the pop. Uh, no, I uh, didn't. But he, <laughs> no. I, I just. But, uh, That's no, telling, I think, probably. <laughs> I guess, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I mean, well, okay. This I was kind of getting to this, but like, I, I of course remember you being into into all that music, but you also were really into metal for a, maybe it was just a brief phase, but like you were really into uh, Metallica in particular. Yeah. And yeah. I, as, as I remember, you would buy all these drum magazines because they had like metal guys on the cover yeah. and then they had like interviews with jazz guys inside. And that was so metal was kind of the gateway drug in a way. That might be true. I mean, I would put Metallica in that uh, in if we're 
I'm talking about those three streams, I would put mm -hmm. my appreciation of Metallica in the in the uh, Prague stream, but also oh, yeah. the punk, also the punk. Yeah, I was gonna say stream. You know, I mean, metal and punk. That's that. I mean, I was talking with uh, Owen, and and we were talking about some of this very same stuff around genre and so on and he said you know if you didn't know if you didn't know that punk and metal weren't the same you might equate the two just from the musical evidence you know uh well i think that's definitely like i mean i have made that point before but it, it always gets really shot down by like uh punk types for sure uh maybe yeah. metal types too i mean I think that I think there's a lot of truth to that. Like the proverbial alien from Mars might hear the two genres and not see the difference, let alone mm -hmm. all of the, you know, ridiculously long list of subgenres within those genres. Yeah. Yeah. But but I mean, I think that if you could break it down to one thing alone, it's that like metal tends to generally have a basis in like uh, virtuosity or like you know playing mm -hmm. a lot and punk tends to like disdain that and be just like uh you know like knowing how to play is like uh is like a bad is like frowned upon in, in a way yeah and there are big yeah. exceptions of course to both those rules but that's that's like aside from all the social things and the lyrical content and everything i think those are the that's the key difference yeah i i think that that's true and that's actually um, one of the things that I found frustrating about punk, but okay, okay, here's here's the interesting thing though, and we're we're never gonna find the answer, I don't think, but we need like there's something else, there's something that makes it possible for John Coltrane to be great, and for uh, uh, the Ramones to be great. Mm-hmm. Do you know and what you I mean? Do you think that's a shared quality? Well, I don't know if it's a shared quality, but what I know that... What about if the shared the... quality is greatness? <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but, yeah, I, I mean, I became frustrated with, with uh, punk just because of that, of that, um, seeing that sort of attitude of disdain for skill. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, it's it's complex because there are many skills, virtuosic skills that that don't result in good music and and are are not um, enjoyable. And they're they're you know, like there Wait, are many are you skills. That a lot of like virtuosic musicians make music that's not good. I don't. I don't. I don't. Uh, <laughs> uh, I am saying that. <laughs> Um, I remember I took you to a punk show in Montreal a few years ago and you had this great like uh, take on it and you were, you were like oh you know it's really cool to see these shows like and the, the you, you appreciated like the theatrical uh, performative nature of it but then you sort of very slowly in your typical way you worked out this equation where you're like <laughs> I think that uh, 30 to 40 percent increase in musical ability would result in a 60 to 70 percent increase in 
musical effectiveness. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and sometimes uh, I, I, I remember saying that, but I think it's, it's sometimes it's actually like 10%. It's like yeah, if they were I, just. I may, be, if they I may were, be fudging the numbers a little bit in that in that recollection. Like, like if they were just if they just could play a, their instruments a little bit better, the music would be ten times better. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But that's just me. Like I I I default to hearing m- music. Like instrumental skill is something that I hear in music. Sure, sure. <laughs> you know, it's something that I value, and so. Uh, like it has to be really special for me to to totally disregard that yeah yeah well that's fair enough you know and i think it, for for me like it was always just a certain liberation in whether it's punk or just like any kind of minimalist rock of just mm-hmm. listening to it and going oh man like Maybe it was just after having my mind so like polluted by being a Rush fan, just like, <laughs> oh wow, you don't have to play like fifty notes in thirty seconds. Like, yeah. you can just, you can just get up and do that. Like that's amazing. Yeah. But of course, it gives an easy excuse to like, so I'm gonna stop studying music and stop trying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, or also getting. Um, okay, so. Uh, I used to work with a guitarist named Grant Gordy, uh, and uh, he played with uh, Jamie Stone. And he always used to get really frustrated in rehearsals because we would try something uh, and we couldn't quite execute it. Mm -hmm. And so we'd abandon the idea because we'd be like, oh, that's not good. But in fact, we just hadn't done it yet. We couldn't do, we couldn't make an apples to apples comparison until we worked on the thing that we were trying to do and play it properly and then figure out if it works better than the thing we had before. Does that make sense? Yeah. And, yeah. and I feel like, um, again, that sort of punk attitude of like, oh, well, I don't really like the, I don't want to study technique because it's going to, uh, uh, screw up what I have to say or whatever like that it, it's the same fallacy it's like you're you don't know what the getting the technique is going to do for you until you have it of course yeah I mean I I, I agree and I think that that's uh, you know that's been like a uh, that was definitely like a problem for me in the past and other people I know uh, yeah I mean ultimately like you know, punk music and their whole ethic and philosophy is there's something like fundamentally kind of like uh, childish about it, which is part of the beauty and part of the tragedy. Mm -hmm. It's just like Mm. a a sustained childish outburst against, (laughs) against the world. Um, But um, yeah, I don't know. So I remember something else that you, you said uh, some years ago, probably, uh, you know, when I was teasing you about listening to, to free jazz or I don't know what, but um, <laughs> you, uh, you said, I like to be challenged when I'm listening to music. Mm. And uh, I think I thought that was really interesting. And really, like, I just think that's um, 
you know, I, presumably there are others who feel the same way, but I think that's r really like a minority position. Like most people, I, myself certainly included, like that's not what I want from listening to music. Right. You know, I, life is challenging enough as it is. To, <laughs> you know, music is like, that's when I don't want to be challenged. Uh, yeah. Maybe I'm overstating my own, you know, boneheaded populist position, but... Well, no, but also, also, um, you know, if I really wanted to be challenged, I'd probably be checking out some more house music. Right. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, my, my, my favorite reaction to, to music is when I hear it and I go, what is happening? I don't even know what's happening. I don't know... I don't know what rhythm they're playing. I don't know where one is. I don't know what instrument that is. I don't know if this is written or or improvised. What the hell is this? What is this music? That's my favorite. Uh, that that's that's my favorite reaction when I hear new music. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Of course. I mean, that's one of the reasons why I use this this title. Is like it's mm -hmm. it's like what you say when you hear something that's really amazing or when you hear something that you are just like you think is awful mm -hmm. like what the hell is this mm -hmm. like as a precursor to like please turn it off yeah and, uh, <laughs> uh yeah um of course and do, do you find that that happens um often or, or do, you, do you find that you still can get that response to music uh Yes and no. I mean, it it ah. It probably happens less, but I'm also less of an active listener than I used to be. Like in terms of seeking out new things. Uh, like I I really like listening to records by my friends. Yeah. And I really and I you know I do a lot of listening sort of for homework. Uh, what do you mean by uh, for homework? I mean, learning compositions that I'm going to have to play on a gig or, or sort of listening as part of practicing, mm. which is different than, than um, you know, just listening to, to new music all the time and seeking out new, new things. Does that make sense? Yeah, of, of course. Um, yeah, I, uh, I don't know. Of course, some of it has to do with age and where we are in life, but, you know, I don't know... At this point, a ton of people our age who are like continually, uh, you know, seeking out new music. Um, no, I mean, if they are, it's probably because it's it's like they're a music critic or they're a festival programmer or, yep. a, you know, it's part of their work to to um, or they run a label or whatever, you know. Yeah. Or radio DJs for sure. Yeah. Like the most music I hear is when I'm putting together my monthly uh, radio show. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that's good. It's like you've structured some some space in your life where you have to check out new music. That's cool. It's true, and and it is cool, and I I really value and appreciate that. At the same time, like if I'm honest, sometimes it's more like okay, I gotta find some stuff. I got I only have half an hour. I gotta fill the other half right. hour. Like. You gotta get out yeah. there and find some stuff. It's not like, it's not the same as as you know, when you were just discovering. But I think that uh, you know that little kernel 
it's still mm -hmm. in there. Mm -hmm. What about like in your? I mean, you you spoke very eloquently about uh, your uh, your early influences and inspirations. Is there anything in your past taste that you like you cringe at? Hmm, that's an interesting one. Uh, I mean, I can say it's been a while since I've thrown on a Metallica record. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, but but I've like probably watched Stop Making Sense like three or four times in the last year. Oh yeah, okay. <laughs> or maybe the last two years. I mean, Have definitely, you... it came it came out in the theater again, and I took Owen to see it, okay. and then maybe that was like three or four years ago. And um, and I thought, oh man, this is awesome. And then it just, you know, every once in a while it pops up on YouTube, and I go, oh, I guess I'm watching Stop Making Sense again. <laughs> have you seen the uh, Rome 1980 uh, show? I have not. You gotta I go check not. it out. Check it out. It's on YouTube. Some call it the other Talking Heads concert movie. It's like okay. the the it's a it's a it's um it's a show they did in Rome, and it was uh -huh. filmed for Italian TV. So it's like nice three camera shoot like mm -hmm. very good sound and everything and it's like there's a lot of the same musicians like bernie warrell uh steve scales and also adrian okay. bellu plays the yeah. guitar and he's just always doing like crazy crazy, crazy guitar sounds oh, awesome yeah it's really really good and it, it doesn't okay. have the theatricality or the you know multimedia aspects of stop making sense but it's like uh -huh. you, if you yeah you gotta you gotta go check it out yeah Rome so 1980 Okay, I will. I'll, I mean, almost certainly I will. But so, like to me, I was into Talking Heads and Metallica, like a, around the same time in my life. Uh huh. And I th would think that if I were to listen to, if I were to listen to Metallica now, I would probably have a a a, a good kind of nostalgic appreciation for it but i don't think that I, like i uh i don't know if i love it anymore but i <laughs> yeah. still have that nostalgia you know and to me that's a hard one to sort out like i and it's it's i guess the evidence is in what i go back to mm -hmm. sure you know like uh, in terms of what is a nostalgic appreciation and what is like an ongoing appreciation. Yep, absolutely. It's very hard. You can't really parse out the two. Um, no. Where does Rush fit into this uh, conundrum to you? Well, I listened to a fair bit of Rush uh, uh, after Neil Peart died. And... Uh, and um, yeah, some of it, some of it's kind of laughable, uh, but but I think that there are some. I think there are some great things there. Again, it's hard to parse out. It's hard to parse out whether what's a nostalgic appreciation and what is an ongoing appreciation. But but I didn't find myself rolling my eyes as much as I thought I might have. Maybe at some of the lyrics. <laughs> yeah yeah you know i i think for for me it's you know i come i i ended up talking about rush you know a fair bit 
for, first of all, because like they're one of the most polarizing bands oh, in yeah. terms of like, oh, yeah. how uh, quite a few people are just like really they can't stand it. They can't listen to yeah. it. They do not understand why anyone would like it. And then on the other hand, their their fan base is so, you know, so devoted. Um, yeah. So, you know, sometimes for <laughs> questionable reasons. But <laughs> and then the other reason, of course, is I was so into them. And then, like you know, rejected them so hard. Yeah, you went. Then, you went hard left turn or yeah. right turn. <laughs> I'm I, not sure. I, hard to say. <laughs> um, but then I, at a later time, I had to come back to it and kind of confess that, like, I actually love it. Yeah. And you know, this is something I've said quite a bit before, but it's like I, I love it despite, or maybe because of, how ridiculous some elements of it are. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I had this idea near the sort of mid, I don't know what point we are at the, in the pandemic now, but, but like maybe in mid 2020, I thought, I thought to myself like, oh, I guess gigs are not going to happen anytime soon. Um, so I should think about record and traveling is not going to happen anytime soon so i should think about musicians in toronto that i'd love to record something with mm -hmm. and of course i never got off the ground but i thought like if i could get getty lee to play on a free jazz fusion crazy album i would love that so much of course it didn't happen and well it's never it's, too late nick it, well it might be too late at some point but but uh i just couldn't not gonna be doing any rush <laughs> Stuff <laughs> that's true that's true and then my my childhood fantasy of like subbing in for neil peart would will be like uh uh at least partially fulfilled <laughs> <laughs> playing the long game here eh? yeah yeah <laughs> um so my uh, my take on subbing for or like replacing neil peart in rush was that i was going to just play like a little four-piece jazz kit and <laughs> and and improvise all my fills and like it wouldn't be rush anymore at all <laughs> yeah well yeah. i mean you know it's good to have it's good to have dreams yeah um so i uh like how could i put this um you 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 must i it seems to me like at this point you you're at peace with or you find it funny that like you know, people, uh, people have such a hostile reaction to like some of the music you play. Um, yeah. Tell me about that. Like, is that, did you, do you ever feel defensive or do you just feel like, uh, do you feel Zen about it? Hmm. Why do you think people, people have that reaction and what's your feeling about it? Well, Anthony Braxton talks about, uh, when he, talks about the audience he refers to the friendly experiencer okay and the fact that he uses this term to me implies that there might be an unfriendly experiencer but when you make music you don't want to pay attention to the unfriendly experiencer does that make sense like you uh, want to make yeah. music for you want to make music for the people that are going to be receptive to what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And so 
I don't spend a lot of time thinking about, um, oh, if only more people liked this music, because I think it has to do with, with, uh, depth of experience as opposed to breadth of experience. Hmm. I mean, uh, like a cat video is, is it's going to appeal to a lot of people. It's 10 seconds long. Cat does something cute. Video's over. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I feel like that's not, uh, if my music offers something, it offers uh, something different than that experience. Mm-hmm. And you might, you might need to, invest a little more. I mean, first of all, it's going to take longer than 10 seconds, most likely. Uh-huh. The piece might might take an hour or it might, you know, uh, it might um, not really have a recognizable melody. It might, something, things might not repeat, might not have uh, a, a tempo, you know, might be sort of poly, uh, polyrhythmic might get really loud and busy and aggressive you know there are all these things about it It might be harsh uh Mm -hmm. there are all these things about it and uh yeah i don't i i don't spend a lot of time thinking about people who are just not going to be receptive to that Mm -hmm. yeah it also seems to me like you don't think about the the uh like not necessarily you personally exclusively but like mm -hmm. in between those two polarities there's like a pretty substantial audience that might be receptive if you like, you know, mixed a little sugar in with the, with the, uh, sour, but it seems that you also don't, are not, no, don't yeah. care about attracting those people either. Well, I don't know. I think there are things there. I sometimes get into certain performance situations and I realize, okay, maybe I'll want to, talk a bit more between tunes, make a few more jokes, be a little more personable instead of like, if it was a more sort of, uh, Toronto show with a lot of sort of fans of free jazz and musicians, then I might just play and not worry about that. And, and I don't know. I mean, I, 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 I think, like again not not necessarily i mean you said earlier i think when you're talking about free jazz you said misunderstood and i think that that's true because there are a lot of very lyrical and melodic parts to a lot of the music i make and it's not just full on you know pet shop on fire uh, <laughs> uh all the time yeah and 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 so so i feel like I feel like that those elements of melody and lyricism and rhythm, you know, are there. Mm-hmm. And so it's not a matter of me trying to avoid those things or trying to disregard those things. I, I, I'm trying to include them. I'm trying to make music and most of the people that I know and like to work with in the sort of free jazz realm, they're trying to make music that is sort of... Um, compositional and improvisational you know energetic and lyrical like they're trying to occupy the whole spectrum Mm -hmm. sparse and dense you know 
Yeah. A little something for everybody. A little something for everybody. That's it. <laughs> uh, that's cool. Well, you know, I have to say, Nick, uh, we've had many uh, musical arguments in the past, and I, I, there's part of me that wondered whether this would be a, uh, you know, uh, a real uh, throwdown. But I think we're, we've just both got, you know, older and wiser. Uh, or maybe uh, we just caught each other on a, uh, on a mellow day. Um, maybe. But, uh, I mean, we can do another one in a week. You know, (laughs) part two and another thing. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, I'm sure that'll happen, you know, on or off uh, air at some point. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. But I uh, it's always fun to talk with you and uh, yeah, about music. Yeah. Um, You always give me things to think about. Uh, Well, I'm glad. And uh, uh, I'm also thinking. So there you go. Yeah, always thinking. Um, Well, uh, thanks for being on the show. Uh, Thank you. That's our show. Thank you for listening. Um, I have to tell all you listeners that following this show, I am going to put the podcast on hiatus for a bit. And the reason is that I am going to be spending the next year working on the What Is This Music book Uh, Some of you may know that this project began as a book proposal, and uh, I kind of started the podcast partly as a pandemic hobby, partly as a way to do some ground research for the book. Um, So I'm going to be working on that. Um, The podcast, I'm sure, will uh, spring back to life when I'm finished the book, when I'm I'm out there trying to promote it and everything. Uh, And I think it's likely that I will do the occasional uh, pop-up episode, uh, but I just don't have the time or uh, resources to do it regularly up to the standard that I uh, want it to be at. Um, I uh, Yeah, so I mean, I've really enjoyed this process. Uh, as they say in French, this is not an adieu, it's an au revoir. I will be seeing you soon. I want to thank everybody for uh, joining in with me on this crazy hilarious journey and uh well we'll be seeing each other again thank you for listening